0: Welcome to the Think Deeper podcast presented by Focus Press. I'm one of your hosts, Jack Wilkie, joined once again by Joe Wilkie and Will Harib. Uh, This week, we're talking about a very serious issue. Uh, We'll get to that in just a minute. I want to remind everybody on Focus Plus, our our new offering for this year is a daily devotional. Uh, You might have a resolution like we talked about last week. To get in the Word, this is a, a great resource that we made available. Joe's doing a, a really good job putting these together every day to uh, read some of the Word, to pray on it, to meditate on a, a certain thought, and then a discussion question to bring to your family or to friends, co-workers, church family, whatever it may be, to get in discussion with the Word with other people. And so, really great resource. Uh, they're going out every day to our Focus Plus subscribers, and you get those and everything else, the deep end segment. You get uh, our revelation class, other videos, things we're doing, articles, And so uh, we want to, again, just really encourage you to check out Focus Plus. Go to focuspress.org slash PLUS, uh, focuspress.org slash plus. Uh, I don't think we have any more promo to do beyond that. Let's get into this episode on the topic of suicide. We've talked about mental health a little bit before, uh, but this is a big one. Uh, I want to get it out of the way right up front. This is not... A substitute for care. Uh, this is not substitute for treatment or anything like that. If, if this is a struggle you're having, we're going to talk about some of the spiritual implications. But uh, if, if there's help you need, of course, Joe's a therapist, you can reach out to him or uh, just reach out to somebody. Uh, this episode certainly is not a substitute for uh, the kind of help you might need. Um, and, and so just kind of Make sure you're, you're taking care of yourself, getting what you need, but uh, we hope this episode, A, will, will help those that are, are struggling with different mental health struggles, but also be with those that are just around other people. We're all around people who go, with and go through depression, go through tough times, uh, looking for the signs, looking for the spiritual implications of all this is what we want to discuss. So, um, Joe, being our, our resident licensed therapist, I'll uh, turn it over to you to get us started.
1: Sure, sure. So... The reason this is very relevant, um, a couple of reasons. First off, as, as we were doing research, we wanted to do it based off the idea of Blue Monday, um, which is the third Monday of January, where supposedly depression uh, and, and suicide rates are at an all-time high on that specific day, the third Monday in January. Uh, as we were researching, what I ran across, which was shocking to me, is that one in three Americans know somebody who has committed suicide. This is very personal for a lot of people. This is a very emotional uh, topic, obviously. And again, we want to do this justice. We want to do this in a way that um, is, is appropriate. We want to bring in the biblical discussion. We want to bring in some stats. And yes, we will go into some things, hopefully that, that might help. But yeah, I thought that was very shocking that one in three people knew somebody who had committed suicide, but it comes back around to this time in January. And The Blue Monday has been this is something that I think goes back to 2004 or five. They started pushing this uh, pretty big that, hey, we need to make sure, you know, reach out to your friends, make sure everybody's okay right around this time. And the reason why is, look, January is cold. The weather usually stinks. Um, The credit card bills are due. You you, You had a ton of fun at Christmas. Now, you know, we're kind of on the back end. And so we've had we have that post holiday blues, as they say, where. All the fun was had, you were around your family, that's great. Now you go back to your boring lives. Now you go back to, you know, just having nothing to do. Maybe you're in your apartment all alone, whatever it is. Um and so yeah, there's there's a lot of reasons why this has kind of been pushed as a big thing. Interestingly, this is a myth. This is not the most depressing day of the year, nor is this the highest suicide rate of the year. Uh suicide actually spikes somewhere in spring and There are a lot of thoughts on that as to those that kind of come out of winter hibernation. Everybody's kind of hibernating in winter, so to speak. And so being depressed, everybody around you is depressed. Whereas in spring, those that kind of have their their, um, emotions tied to the weather, they come out of it and some people don't. And so that's kind of the theory as to why spring is that much worse. But this is why we wanted to talk about it is, look, it may be a myth. The Blue Monday may be a myth, but at the same time, We do know throughout the year, statistically, unfortunately, suicide rates are fairly high. But January, there's a lot of depression at this time. And we thought this might be a a good time to tackle this discussion. Um, Will, I'm actually going to turn it over to you to kind of get us into some of the stats, because again, in researching this, this is a little bit shocking. Yes, that first stat of one in three Americans know somebody who has committed suicide. But I think this is a bigger problem than most people realize.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Joe put together this list of stats for us that... I got to say that the second one that's on here is kind of pretty shocking to me. So nearly 50,000 people committed suicide in 2022, 40,000 of those being male, 80%. That was a a number that, again, kind of shocked me. Again, 40,000 out of the 50,000, 80% were male. Um, Before we
0: go on, on, that's such an interesting thing in itself. Um, Mm -hmm. Why? Why do you guys think? male well, you know 80% male.
2: I have off I the cuff. That. Off the cuff. Um it's something that we've been harping on quite a bit. Um in our masculinity podcast is that men are somewhat societally uh, bullied is not the marginalized right word, but, but yeah marginalized, put down and yet men still have a ton of the responsibility. Um it's not that you know, we talked about the responsibility without the privilege. And I think that's a lot of what it is, is that a lot of men still have the responsibility, the, the t- the really, really tough job being a father, providing husband, whatever, but the respect they're no longer getting the respect. They're no longer getting the, the privileges that are supposed to come with leading. Um, it's kind of all duty and, and, and nothing else. And so that would be kind of off the cuff, the, the thoughts that I have of like, they have such a weight on their shoulders and I'm not saying women don't, but I'm saying, men have a a significantly heavy burden. They're stressed out at work. They're stressed out about their family and societally. They're getting kind of beaten upside the head repeatedly over and over again by feminism. And, um, no one cares. Yeah. Just, yeah. Kind of no one cares. So that'd be my answer, Joe. I don't know what what you have to add.
1: Yeah. I would say it takes people knowing about it to help you out of it. And most guys just aren't going to talk about it. It's kind of a, it's a masculine code, so to speak of, we don't talk about our emotions. We don't talk about our feelings. Um, I obviously as a therapist push back on that some, I don't think we should be sissies and that's not the point, but talking about your emotions is perfectly fine. You look at David, he's dancing, David's crying, he's weeping, you know, he's man's man, you know, he's killing lions and bears and giants and things like that, but he's still not afraid to show his emotions. We're in a different time nowadays where it, men are suffering alone and nobody can say anything about, it, or nobody will say anything about it. And so I think men kind it's of it's trapped-
2: in that I was just going to say do you see any kind of difference among the generational gaps because I certainly think for older generations that is kind of the the standard belief is like tough men don't cry men don't talk about their feelings men don't share their emotions I mean I see that you know 50 year olds and up and I I think a lot of 30 40 year olds struggle with that but to me kind of the younger generations now are the ones that are kind of pushing back on that a little bit um at the same time though suicide is, is still you know pretty highly a young person problem as well. So I didn't know if, if Joe from your experience or your research if you saw any anything you know that would relate that to again the idea of the older generations having that mindset and maybe the younger generations not as as much.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting because you're right. I would say 40 and up really that's kind of the mindset. Uh for men we swung the pendulum to the other side with a lot of the younger generations. And I think this Mm -hmm. gets into, so you have two separate problems for depression. One is loneliness. The other is learned helplessness, specifically when it comes to men. And loneliness happens when you don't talk to anybody and nobody knows about your emotions. Learned helplessness happens when you wallow in your emotions and feel like you can't get out of it. We have both sides. The younger generation is more on the learned helpless. The older generation is more on the lonely. And that's why I think the statistics across the board, statistically, I think this is on there, um, 85 plus those in the 85 plus community are those that have the highest rates of suicide, which is just crazy to me, but, um, yeah. they are, they are pretty bad for 25 to 34 as well. I mean, the statistics are, but there's a lot of men there for a while. And I don't know, if it's still this way, but the leading, um, the, the, I don't know if it was leading cause of death at this time, but like basically the leading suicide rates were men that were 45 to 55, I think. So around there. So the midlife crisis used to be go buy a car and now it's we have this existential weight setting in and we don't out, know how to get rid of it and, and to, to kind of push through it. And so that's become an outlet, unfortunately, for a lot. But Jack, I am curious to kind of bring it around to your question. What are your thoughts on that?
0: I think you guys are right about the cultural pressures. And, uh, you know, the other thing, uh, one of the really big ones is the military veterans issue. I mean, very high suicide rate, yeah. unfortunately. Uh, from those that have come back from Iraq, Afghanistan and all that. And so that's a, there's all these cultural pressures, but I also think it's going to be a timeless thing. I can't see a society in which the female suicide rate is higher than male suicide rate for the same reason that men, you know, commit more of the crimes, but also men, you know, perform more of the higher achieving thing. There's just like the extremes of what masculinity can go to are higher and lower. And, And that's not, you know, putting women down because they don't, they don't commit the crimes either it's just kind of men are it's wired like a volatility there almost yeah when well, men are wired for achievement dominion all that we've talked so much about that in our gender episodes that when you don't have that when you have the learned helplessness when you kind of have the caged animal feel women we're not wired the same way and i don't think they have that wiring to feel the weight of the world on their shoulders in the same way that that men would feel the i'm not good enough and i i haven't you know Performed up to, you know, I'm not providing achieved. what I'm supposed to. I'm, yeah, I'm not, you know, uh, contributing anything to the world in such a way. It, it's kind of that whole, um you know, men need to be needed, women need to be wanted kind of thing. And, and so there's a lot of biological mm-hmm. facts going on there that I think, I, I think you guys are right about the cultural things right now, but I also think it's a, there's a timelessness just from the wiring. But anyway, I, I didn't want to off well, track too much on the I, outline, let me, but I just thought I, that I've was so an, interesting.
2: I've... I've got another question that I want to ask about the next stat. I'm going to read rates, suicide rates increased 37% between 2000 and 2018. So essentially for the 21st century, suicide rates are going up. Joe, I don't know if these are us stats um, or not specifically, but for the sake of argument, let's let, yeah, I think let's assume that they are. I'll pose that question. What do you guys think, you know, is significant about recent times, I guess that is contributing to, Increased suicide rates. Again, 2000, 2018, 37% suicide rate increase. That's pretty significant. 37% is not small. That's a pretty significant jump. What, what 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 jumps to mind as far as that goes?
1: Well, what's majorly changed since the 2000s? Internet and social media. Social
2: media. Yeah.
1: Social media. In my opinion, that's it. I mean, you got online bullying that pushes a lot of kids to commit suicide when it used to be, you know, you had to deal with a, a jerk bully at school. Whatever it is, but hey, you're gonna go home, your family loves you, you're taking care of. He's not following you, right? He may follow you home and pick on you, but there was always a respite. You get home now, now he's making fun of you. You know, now he's online, now he's he's taking you know, making fun of your pictures. So from a youth perspective, I think that's the case. But even as you get into the older generations using social media, there is a loneliness and it kind of lets you know how many people are out there that you know and how well- few people actually care.
2: And you've got the comparison angle as well. Constantly comparing your life to other people and, you know, my life is so miserable and all these people's lives are so great. Yeah, Joe, I I think you nailed it. I think that, but I would also add just kind of the societal unrest, I guess you might say of like, we all, and because what the, another thing about social media is now, and more so the internet, I guess, than specifically just social media, but think about how many more things we have access to, to be quote unquote depressed by. Of, like, you know, you read all the news stories and you see all the how the how poorly the world is going. And I think 30, 40 years ago, yeah, you had the TV and you had the newspaper or whatever, but it, it didn't, it wasn't quite as, you know, you could still kind of separate yourself and you're at your own, you're, you got your own family, your own home life, you're going to work, you know, it, you were a bit disconnected from it now, especially if you are somebody who is enveloped in the social media internet world. Let's face it, there's a thousand different things every single day you can look at and it can it can uh enforce a negative reaction. Like you could you could be, you know, man, that's just awful that this and that's happening. And I th- I think the again, the internet explosion and the social media explosion also contributes to that.
0: I'm gonna add a couple things. Number one, I mean there's the godlessness factor does not help. Yeah. Now, there's plenty of countries yeah. that are not very, you know, Christian that don't have this suicide rate, but our nation has a unique raging against god thing going on right now the rise of atheism the rise of lgbt all of the things that have happened that are going to lead to that kind of depression and and kind of i think related to that is because we don't have religion this suicide increase has come in the age of mental health has come in the age mm-hmm. of, of ssris mental health drugs of of you know the therapy boom and all that and joe and i have talked about this a lot you know of Good therapy, bad therapy. Uh, I'm more distrustful of, of therapists in general. Not in, you know, but I, I think it can be done well. Obviously, I you know you trust
2: uh, Joe though, right? Uh, yeah, I yeah. So. I mean, like uh, <laughs> most of the time.
0: Most, but of the that's kind of. I think Joe would agree with me in that the majority of uh, therapy is bad. The majority of advice yep. is bad, and not only that, we live in a culture, and this goes a little bit with our goals episode last week, that glorifies weakness in a way that almost makes people want to stay there. Yeah. You know, you, you post yeah. on social media about you have mental health problems. You're going to get a lot more likes than you will about, man, I'm doing great. You know, like that. there, and there's like, you'll see that hashtag and the stigma. There's not a stigma anymore. There there's, I mean, like, it's the kind of thing where you're going to get 50 nice comments. And if there's one mean comment, the other 50 are going to attack that person. And yeah. I, I, I don't think it's a bad thing, you know, that, that people get support. I mean, on the other hand, social media support is very shallow. It does not really pay off in, right. in real life brain rewiring of, of making it a better place. But the other thing is it's incentive to wallow. It's incentive mm-hmm. to kind of stay there. And, you know, that I, I I think what we've done with mental health, especially the world that has uncoupled it from God entirely and is going to that in place of God. And I'm not just saying we'll say a prayer and it all goes away. I'm, I'm not saying that. Right. But you need that grounding of eternal value of the soul that therapy is trying to circumvent.
1: I'm glad you brought that back around because that's that's exactly what I was going to get into is what is life without religion? What is life without God? And what has changed since 2000 is you're right. You consider, you know, 2001, you have, uh, of course, 9-11. Then you have the war. We go to war, right? Um, war on terrorism. And oh, then- three. They 2000- legalize
2: homosexuality. Yeah.
1: Oh, three. There you go. 2008 um, is the financial collapse. 2009, right? Like everything is really bad at that time. People are losing their homes. There's a lot of societal things. We've grown more polarized, but Jack's right. He hit the nail on the head here, which is we've grown more godless and what is life without God? There literally is no purpose. I tell my clients, even the atheists that I work with, it's like, look, my job is as a therapist, as your therapist is not to convert you, but I will tell you, I have a difficult time treating this, whatever you're dealing with, without using god i'm just going to tell you this is why i'm a christian i'm not pushing on you but this is why is because everything is grounded in god and what is life without him it's worthless well what do you see people you know where where does suicide come from my life is worthless it has no meaning it has no value everybody'd be better off without me that's a lot of the thoughts that kind of are there there's this hopelessness that pervades where's the hopelessness come from there's no god so where also do we see this? Let's dunk on public schools one more time. Public schools are, are the meat grinder, man. You put kids in, they come out. They don't know how to think their way out of anything. Most Look, we're going to get all That's so rude. It's just the facts here. They don't teach you how to think. They teach you Yeah, statistics to think. back that up. It's statistics. And they're so willing to stick you on, as Jack said, SSRIs, on Ritalin, on anything that's going to keep you a, a kind little boy. They don't know how to deal with any of those things. So when you're when you're on SSRIs and we know people who have attempted suicide because they got the meds wrong, how many people get their meds wrong? We have half of America on on meds, probably not half of America, literally, but genuinely, probably a third of America on meds. And yet we're still dealing with this. What does that tell you? This is not a medication. It ain't problem. working. Well, yeah. it's the same it, it thing to do with the
0: rest of your health of... There are things that caused you to get to this point. We're not going to address those. We're going to try right. and find a pill that will band aid over it. And right. you do that with your health. You do that with you know all kinds of things. And they're doing it with mental health too. Of uh, well, let's try this pill. And and having known people, you know, who have have been on, on the meds and and you know have been prescribed these things, it is infuriating hearing you know that they'll have a bad spell. Well, the doctors just adjusted my my levels. They're trying a new one. On right. Me. They're, it's just, you know, roulette and like that, that is, you're just taking a gamble every time. Well, hopefully this pill works. Hopefully this one lines up with your, your chemical uh, Like it's, and I, I know we've probably got some people listening or say, man, the, the meds saved my life. Look, it's case by case, but on, in general, throwing a pill at, at, at a problem and hoping it's the bandaid that, that covers up the problem is not a long-term solution and and that's really what we want for everybody is man it's tough to be in that spot let's find the path out of there that's that's not you got to be on a pill for the rest of your life but like let's get you to a solid place you know in your mental health and your walk with god and your relationships with others whatever it may be that this isn't the case but man the, the whole structure of everything that we have right now in society I think is driving a lot. Of, I think that there's a reason that it well, correlates so closely to our mental health emphasis and higher suicide rates.
2: And it is so interesting. And we've talked about this before that we are in a more connected society that we've ever been. And yet we're more lonely than we've ever been. You think about young kids, Joe, you brought up public school, but you know, they're on their phones, texting, and Snapchat and whatever. They're still, they are more lonely than kids have ever been before. Even, you know, but even their parents, like in our, in our congregations, because I want, I want to try to bring this back around to, the church and, and, you know, what we can do about it and kind of what we see in the church. But I, I see that in the church as well, is that our relationships in the church are shallow. So there's a lot of loneliness, even in our congregations, there's a lot of loneliness of like, I've got all these things I'm dealing with. And I, you know, there, there's people that truly believe they don't have very many places to turn young people and older people alike. And so I, I do think, Joe, you've talked about a lot about loneliness Obviously, I think that's a huge contributing factor. Is that despite the fact that we're in the social media age, despite the fact that we can pick up the phone or pick up, you know, our, our iMessage and instantly be talking to somebody, there's not a lot of deep relationships. That's why we've had episodes before on the importance of, of, of really deep relationships and how to find those and how to establish those. You know, I'm I'm no expert, but I do think that that is. you, you want to talk about something that would specifically in the church? I think help with a lot of this is just. Breaking down those walls of shallow unity, breaking down the walls of shallow fellowship, and truly, truly being there for one another as we see in the in the in the early church. Um, I, that, that's just something that I wanted to bring up because I feel like again when you talk about the church theoretically, that's our family, but yet loneliness is still a huge huge problem.
1: We're gonna come around at the end. We're gonna hit this again, Will. So you may have some more thoughts on that that we want to get to later because. As Jack said, we're not looking to give advice from a legal perspective or anything else here, but we do want to offer some hope. And that is one of those things that we're going to come to at the end and give a few things of what we can do. Loneliness is going to be one of the biggest ones. We have to be relational people. We got to work through the reasons why we're not. I want to finish with the last two stats and then get into a a different discussion, but a a similar, I suppose. Um, Last two stats, though, in 2019, there were 1.38 million suicide attempts and 9% of people in America have attempted suicide it's almost one in 10 have attempted suicide um that honestly shocked me i there's part of me that doesn't feel that's right to that that so put a number right, that that, one that's 10. what about
2: 30 million 10 300 million. Million. Yep. at this point uh, i feel like 40 that million.
0: yeah i feel like that number's got to be high because you think about 10 people that you know i you know i've, I've known one or two people uh, who have attempted yeah. um I know a lot of people that you I, know I, about, though, that, that you know, that you know about for sure. But on the other hand, like if it's a
1: serious one where, where somebody's hospitalized or whatever, I mean, like this is you have to I determine what does what does that mean? I mean, there could be those that are self-harming, cutting things like that. Is that seen as a suicide attempt? Potentially, I know lots and lots and lots who have done that, unfortunately. Yes, I'm a therapist. So of course, I've seen that. But, you know, I do know a lot even outside the therapy realm who have who have self-harmed. If they're looking at that, I could see the nine percent being those who have self harmed and attempted. That seems very high, especially in the fact that you know through the one year. But still, you're talking in I 2019 have another
0: thing alone, come up to say 07 percent of uh, eighteen or older made at least one suicide attempt.
1: So yeah, that there's uh, no way nine percent is correct.
0: Nine percent might be including self harm or something like that.
1: Yeah, that's all I can figure. When I looked at that, it's like that's that can't be right. But either way, that's this is why you got to you got to do the. The research i did look at multiple different websites one but, of the other um, things
0: of all these stats that that you, you've given here they're all horrifying stats these are all prior to 2020 we know mental health yeah. went in the tank after lockdowns mm-hmm. after job losses after the economy and like everything that's happened in the last four years it's even worse and so like it all of these stats you can you can pretty safely say it's gotten worse on all of them i mean one so of them was the, the, the struggle 22 so suicide rate but the rest of these were pre-2020 yeah well,
1: you know that 37%, they actually say it dropped. I think it it, it increased 37% from 2018. It actually dropped uh, 5% 2019, 2020, and then went back up and almost hit that same high again. So they're saying it's lower since 2018. I don't agree with that. Um, again, just from anecdotal evidence, I don't agree with that. But you can look at the mental health struggles that people had. We know that was terrible. Why? Isolation. Back to your point, Will. But I want to get into a different discussion, fellas, because... This is, it, it's kind of the crux and it kicks off a few things. We're going to bring in some biblical discussion here about depression and, and maybe some of the, you know, what we see in the Bible about it. But before we hit that, we've talked a lot about the mental health. We've talked a lot about to be depression, but I'm sure there are people listening going, it's just the most selfish thing you possibly could do. Are we really going to sugarcoat it and say it's depression when really it's just selfishness? Where do we fall on this selfish versus depressed um, axis? What are your thoughts on that? Do you think suicide is more of the ultimate selfish thing you could do, or do you think it's more this is really hurting people who are depressed?
2: I'll I'll uh, I'll brave the the waters on this one first, and then let Jack uh, wade into it after. Yeah, this is um, it's a tough one. I it, I don't want to give like a uh, I guess kind of cop out answer you might say, but I I do think there are elements to both of these things. Um, I fully, I, I do think there are a lot of people out there who truly believe that that's the only way out that they have. And for those people, I, I strongly sympathize with, I feel terrible about that. I think that that's something that is just one of the most tragic things in the world. Again, when you feel like you have no place left to turn and that that's the, basically the only parachute that you have is to, is to, you know, go that route. I, I do think that I do think there are people that, that fit that bill, I guess, to, to answer that question. But I also think that there are people that fit the bill of, I don't know, it, it's more of a, you know, attention type of thing. And, and I'm not even talking, I'm talking more so about like the those who, who talk about it a lot and those who want to bring it up and Yeah. I think there's elements to both sides here. I think that there, again, there are people that they feel like it's their only way out and that that's, that's just the route that they choose to go. And again, the loneliness contributes to it. But I also do think that there is an element of selfishness to it of like, man, you still got a family. You still got people who, who love you and care about you. And I think social media has driven the, you know, kind of making everything about yourself age that we live in. Whereas times times past, like, yes, everybody's been self-interested, but you know, life was more about family. Life was more about community. Life was more about church. Church, you know, 60, 80 years ago, 100 years ago, it was about religion and things like that. And now everything is about you, 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 you all the time. Um, so I do think that contributes to it as well. What are your guys' thoughts? Uh,
0: you know, sometimes you, you hear the motivation of kind of like, well, I'll, I'll show them, you know, like I, I'm going to basically get back at, at the bully, get back at family, get back at, you know, like a, they'll miss yeah. me when I'm gone kind of thing. I don't know how much is that. I think more often than anything, it's, I'm not needed, I'm not wanted, so I'll just remove myself Disappear. from the situation. Yep. Yeah, and it, I mean, it, it's a really hard thing to talk about. Um, I, I never attempted, but of the three of us, I would imagine it's pretty safe to say I was closer uh, in consideration of this than than uh, either of the two of you. Uh, I don't know, You know, I, I can't speak for everybody, but like, I, there was a point in my life where I had a real long conversation with myself, um, and it's—I I, I can relate to the thought process, I, I guess, to say of just like there really is no point, you know. And everybody, it, yeah, it might hurt them for a, a little bit, but they'll—they'll they'll move on. They're—they're—they're they're, they're okay. They're not going to mind that much. And—and um, and so it's not. I mean, you can say oh, you're just. Oh, you're not thinking of others. You're just thinking about yourself. I, it, man, it goes a lot deeper than that. It, it, there's a lot more than that. You have to be very disconnected from people. You have to feel like it does, like you don't matter to them. And so it's not going to affect them. And, you know, you can tell somebody all day long, well, no, no, they need you. They, and those things are true. Those are very hard things to get through your mind in that moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, that, that's, that is not something you feel in the moment, you know, kind of that whole, even if you don't think so, you're, needed you're important you're whatever else yeah i mean like that on a logical basis but it's not a logical thing at that point it's it's very hard i don't i would know.
1: say it's it's the rose tinted glasses kind of we talk about is like your perspective on life is skewed at that point is it selfish absolutely mm-hmm. are you seeing it as the selfish thing that it is no because you are kind of clouded to that exactly to your point point. and that's I, I, I think is my headspace. problem is
0: People who are not in that pit going, oh, you're just being selfish. You know, I, I can see so clearly how, you know, other people would be affected by this. Like, well, they can't see that. And so if they could see that and they were still going to do it, yeah, it would, it would be pure selfishness. And you could say there's a selfishness in not trying to see others' perspective, and, and maybe so. But I, I really think some people really overdo it with the selfishness when you, just, you don't really understand the loneliness that would take somebody to that point.
1: And you have to realize that the strongest thing on planet earth is the will to survive, the human's will to survive. And if you're willing to go above that, to go beyond it, most of the time, it's not a rash. Most of the time, I'm not saying this hasn't happened, but it's not just a rash in the moment decision because our will to survive is so strong. Most of the time, these people have been stewing about it. They've been thinking on it for a long time. And hence to your point, they've gotten so disconnected from, from people, but also from reality that they don't see it as, as the selfish thing that it is. So once again, is it selfish? Yeah, but it's really easy to say on this end of it, where we're not necessarily, you know, where we're not suicidal, we're not dealing with ideation. Um, be careful. I would caution those that are listening. Be very careful before you start talking to people, especially those who are struggling, please do not talk to those who are struggling and mention all about the selfishness We want to start with the hurt. We want to start with the depression. We want to start with maybe why they feel that way before we just jump to, well, you're just being selfish. You know, there's people, I know people that have gotten incredibly depressed because they give and give and give and give and give of themselves and feel like nobody ever cares about them. Nobody ever gives back to them. Nobody's ever there for them. They're always there. They're always picking up the phone, but who gives back to them? And so it's like, they've been the epitome of selfless up to this point. Maybe they're looking at the suicide as nobody cares about me because I've been selfless and nobody else is selfless for me. And at some point, they got to start thinking about themselves. Now, suicide's not the way to do it. But I would say we need to call back to if we give so much of ourselves that nobody ever we're never taking care of ourselves, we're not paying attention to ourselves. And we kind of become that doormat, doormat that everybody walks over because we have no boundaries and, and like nobody really cares about us. That's a very dangerous place to be. We have to have a, a you know. love others as you love yourself, right? And it's the husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. There's inherent in that, this idea that we love ourselves. Suicide is going against it. We don't love ourselves. We have a deep hatred of ourselves because you wouldn't harm somebody that you love. So yeah, let's just be very careful as we, we talk about this subject to make sure we're not just saying, well, those selfish jerks, it's the same thing they do with, with, you know, porn addiction, those perverts, like you don't understand the problem. So get out of the way. I think, it, quiet,
0: I think it could be a malignant self-love of there's a self-focusedness there that you, you can't get your eyes yeah. off of yourself in that. Uh, and, and it's just kind of like, well, I can't get things to where I want them to be or, or as I feel they should be. And so, I, you know, I quit the game. I'm, I'm just unplugging. Because sure. um, I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned reality. I, it's entirely possible that it is reality. There's nobody to turn to. There's nobody to count on. Nobody that cares. Um that i think we have to emphasize especially from the spiritual perspective that doesn't give you the right to end your own life absolutely. that doesn't absolutely you know not. that's playing god that's not because god uh, is there yeah, god is I mean, there that's, who, that's that's who
1: brings us yeah sorry and,
0: and you know uh, man a lot of people and it's not to compare struggles but a lot of people have been through a lot of bad things you know uh um, concentration camps, Siberia, I mean, stuff like that, that, you know, you can read those stories, Solzhenitsyn and, uh, Viktor Frankl and guys that wrote their books on, wow. I mean, just awful, awful, awful stuff. And, and you live through it and that's, you know, hope and brightness comes out of those things. Even in the Bible, people who went through, you know, Daniel and the lion's den and Joseph into slavery and all that stuff. I mean, like hopeless situations in where it's like, man, it, it is all over. Okay, but the sun rises tomorrow. You owe it to God to to wake up and you know let him let let him handle that stuff. I think it's really elevating yourself to a, a decision maker standpoint you haven't been given, and so that in itself is a I'd little bit that. is a I hesitate to call it selfishness because that's not how you people usually mean it, but it is a a, a weird level of self importance. Uh, it's so mm-hmm. backwards. I mean, like all all of this is it's a self importance that kills self. And so that doesn't make sense, but it, it doesn't make sense.
1: Yeah. That's what makes this such a difficult discussion is. And, and what I would say is there, we can't pay with a broad rush. There are people that do it for all sorts of reasons. And there are people that are incredible. And I think, Will you mentioned this that are incredibly selfish and that I'll show them. Um, I know the 21 pilot song, I think it's neon gravestones or whatever, where there's this, there's just been this glorification of the celebrities that, that do this and such. Um, that overdose, things like that. And we can kind of glorify it to the point that kids can look at it and, and get this idea in their mind that, oh, well, that's what the celebrities are doing. And I don't think kids, I think they use that as an excuse for kids that are already hurting, but I'm not going to stand here and say that there's not any, um, there's not any, you know, self motivation. Like, absolutely. kind of like notoriety seeking day. almost from, from a young Correct. person's perspective. Yeah. But it's just, we cannot paint with a broad brush when it comes to each and every individual yeah. decision. So I guess that's what I would call on just to be careful with that well, but Jackie let me
2: report. go for go I was just gonna go ahead and move us into yeah, kind of the too. the yeah, the biblical tenets of this and and what we see in the Bible obviously there's there's not a lot um when it when it comes to suicide itself or you know depression mental health of course we've discussed but we do see there are several individuals in the Bible that you know struggle with depression from time to time you know what we would call depression and just negative thoughts you know however you want to define it. David just read the Psalms. Um, there's so many times you, you kind of see, that's one of the beauties of the Psalms. You kind of see the highs and the lows of David, uh, his emotion and and you know the way that he copes with it. And where, for him, where does he always go back? The Lord God, you know, his fortress, his rock, all these things. But you see Elijah going to, to the brook Kareeth. Um, you see obviously Jonah, um, who could argue his was very much a, a selfish, um, level of depression there. But you even see Paul, Joe, you've got on here, Second Corinthians 1 verse 8, um, whereas he's kind of opening his letter, his second letter to the Corinthians. He says, For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren of our trouble, which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we even, or so that we despaired even of life. That's the Apostle Paul. That is the Apostle Paul, you know, writing there talking about despairing even of life. And so, you know, it would be ignorant for us to try to, You know, say that depression, mental health issues or whatever is a newfangled thing. There is a rise in you know discussions about it. But, you know, we see stuff like that all the way back in God's word. We we see, again, a lot of it you see in the Psalms of of David asking God, where are you during all these during these really tough times? Gideon asked it and judges, you know, why do you hide in times of trouble? Um, That kind of thing. Joe, you've also got a list on here of we do see some suicides in the Bible. Um, it's not like we we read it, they they read as narrative. There's not like a referendum on, you know, this was right, this was wrong, whatever. But we see several individuals commit suicide Abimelech and Judges, Samson and Judges, um, Saul with his armor bear and in first Samuel thirty one, Ahithophel in 2nd Samuel seventeen, um Zimri in first Kings sixteen, and then of course the, the most famous case, uh, the most well known case, I guess I should say, is Judas um hanging himself. Um yeah, so you say the Bible doesn't have a lot to say about it. It uh, There, there are several, there are many examples um, of, again, depression feelings of, of, you know, kind of giving up hope and then, and then suicide again, cases guys, how do we relate those things to what we, what we're talking about today with this episode? Because again, it's, it's not like the Bible reads and Samson killed himself and that was wrong. And Samson killed himself for the, you know what I mean? Like it, it reads more so as narrative than anything else. So, how do we relate you know those things to to the episode and what we're talking about?
1: I got a couple thoughts on this. Um, first, you can make the case, I guess Samson's a good guy. He kind of redeems himself through it's horrible to say, but you know, like through the suicide and the fact that he's killing a lot of Philistines at the same time. But these are not good men. Abimelech, um, Judas, you know, the 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 Hithophel, like these aren't good men that are doing that. This was not some noble thing that was done, Saul with his armor bear, like it was the coward's way out and you see that through through scripture and so that's not to be again we want to we want to be gentle about it but at the same time as you look through scripture the people that do it are not viewed as heroes in that way uh this was not some some you know positive thing that took place obviously this was terrible but these also were men that really weren't connected to God very much at all but I did want to say you know before we get into that or before uh, Jack you kind of have your thoughts on that. The church has done a very poor job of depression. We talked about this something in our mental health episode, maybe last year, it may have even been 2022. Um, but the church has done a very poor job of of really understanding depression and recognizing that there is a normalcy to this. You know, we kind of want to normalize it to a certain degree. We don't want to say that it's great to stay there. No, we're not looking to wallow, but we are looking to normalize to say, you know what? People are depressed. That has happened before. People in the Bible are depressed. We want to get out of it, but the well, either that's selfish, or you just need to pray about it, or you don't have enough faith. That's the big one, right? You don't have enough faith because if you had enough faith, you wouldn't be depressed, You're too stressed, or too too blessed to be stressed. You know those type of things. That doesn't help those who are going through it. If you haven't really experienced it, you can't fully understand what it's like. But all I know is you see people in the Bible like Paul, like Elijah, they are despairing of life. The way out of it ultimately is through God. But it is a it is not just something that you turn on and off. And it's not a decision that people make of like, well, I'd really like to be depressed. Yeah, I suppose there's some people, but the majority of people, it's like, no, they're not depressed because this is absolutely what they want. They're depressed for a number of reasons. We just need to be careful again in the church how we discuss that matter as as people specifically as it potentially leads to suicidal ideation. Just kind of doing the, well, you just don't have enough faith. That is an oversimplification of a very deep problem uh, and and a very complex issue. So once again, just pump the brakes on that. Be careful how we talk about some of those things. Jack, what are your thoughts? Yeah,
0: it's one of those where like broadly that is the answer. Like you said, God is, you know, the way out of these things and the value in him and and all that. But uh, people need the path out of that. People need the, the help to understand how that applies in their depression, in their, their current situation and, and how it helps with the, the specific things they've dealt with. Um, you know, you and I, I don't know if this was a conversation we had with Will or or somewhere off air, but this, this idea of concept creep, uh, is a very interesting thought to me. And it's where these terms are useful terms are coined for therapeutic reasons that grow to the point that they become useless, um, because they're undefined something like trauma, and so with trauma, like people have legitimate trauma. You know, you were you were molested, abused as a kid. Where you, you know, your spouse cheated on you. You were beaten. I mean, just all, whatever bad thing happened to you can leave a serious scar. Like serious things to work through. And and just saying, well, just you know, say a prayer and that'll take care of it. That doesn't really. I, I mean, there's a lot more going on there. On the other hand, sometimes trauma is well, you know, my mom and dad were kind of mean to me sometimes. Like, yeah, I mean, like that's, that's not trauma. That's life. That's they're imperfect human beings. And so like, there is this, it's very hard on this wide spectrum because people see things like that and it's like, oh yeah, no big deal. On the other hand, there's stuff that is a big deal. And, and I, it's not on me to like judge, well, are, should you be allowed to be depressed? That's not what I'm saying. But I think where there are those really heavy things that I, I think it's such a I hate the word privilege because of how it, it, it's used in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's such a blind spot, such a maybe tone deaf way to look at it and be like, oh, well, you basically just get over it. In fact, it's kind of funny. The uh, uh, There's a meme about Lion King, you know, well, my dad died. My uncle's trying to kill me. I've had to run away from my home. Hey, we're, let's teach you this song. And it will just tell you, don't worry about it. You know, like hakuna matata, man. Like it doesn't work that way. And I think sometimes, like you're saying, people in the church, treat it that way. Well, hakuna matata, no worries. Yeah, you might be dealing with all these things, but no, no worry. You you know, you lost your job or your spouse cheated on you, whatever. No, there's, there's a lot more here and God is the answer, but there's so many other things like this where God's the answer to a a problem that we have in life, but applying that and, and making, figuring out how to make that connect with where we are might be a really long path.
2: Well, I think because we talked about this with mental health before is that, we give the general answer, which as you said, Jack, is correct, that hope is found in Christ, that, you know, we gotta found it on God, but then we never get specific about how that practically applies. We just kind of throw a blanket, you know, statement on it of, you know, well, you know, true hope's found in God and found in Christ, whatever. And the specific things that we want to get to, in fact, I, I'm gonna switch our outline up a bit, guys. I want us to hit the questions first and end with the how to help, um, if that's all right with y'all. But yep. to to finish my point here, I think. Again, the more specific we get with the application of, like, yes, hope is found in Christ. Here is how to, I guess, almost like access the, like, here's how to keep that at the forefront of your perspective, and here's how that's going to help you, rather than just throwing it on there, like you said, you know, you know, maybe pray more and study more is, is typically what what we say. But I think there's so many more things that that we can that we can bring up specifically when dealing with this. But guys, we are going to run out of time if we don't hit some of these questions because uh, I want to end with, you know. How do we help? Um, I'd say there's there's two really hot button topic. There two hot button questions that we need to answer, and it's the questions that it, most people, when they Google stuff like this, this is what they're asking. First of all, is suicide a sin? But then, secondly, because uh, this is actually something I, I vividly remember. This I was in, I think, in a high school class, um, and this was taught that you, you immediately, you basically, you punch your ticket to hell as soon as you commit suicide that if you commit suicide, you guarantee that you are going to hell. And that, so let's ask those two questions. The first of all, is it a sin? Secondly, do you, is it a guaranteed punch your ticket to hell? um, You know, decision that you're making to where, because obviously that that's, that idea is based in the fact that, well, can't ask forgiveness for that one. You know, you can't repent from, from doing that. And so therefore, because you've ended your life. So therefore you again, punch your ticket to hell. So, Guys, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I guess we'll take question one and then go to question two.
1: I would
0: say, yeah. Sure. I mean, it, it's a sin. Uh, it's you're ending a human life, even if it's your own. And you, your life is not your own to take. I mean, that God gives, God takes away. I mean, you can learn from Job on this. Of like, yeah, like I, I it's not mine to to decide what to do with in on that grand scale, uh, and so it is a sin on the idea of, okay, well, and I think some people kind of have what we've talked about is like the checkpoint salvation. I sinned and didn't have time to, you know, ask for forgiveness, you know, like... Like if you, if you cuss and get in a car wreck type of thing, yeah. Right, right. You know, like the, the you didn't reach the save point and like that's, grace flows forward and backwards, you know, the blood of Christ forward and backwards kind of thing. Um, and so you can be forgiven of it. I, I, I think it would very much be a case by case basis. I, I think sometimes... There is a selfishness involved. There is a, you know, maybe... Because one of the other things is sin can drive this. And, and it might be at the bottom of sin that you're you're running away from. I, I mean, like transgenderism, it's what, like a 40% attempt rate? I mean, it's awful. Uh, and, and so it's... And obviously, we're not talking about like a Christian who... And we're talking about somebody who's gone that far down the road. But there might be secret sin. There might be a, a secret drift from God that has led you to that place. I don't think that's the case for everybody. And, and so I, I think it's incredibly hard to say on the other hand it because we can't say you're obviously taking a risk that you don't want the eternal you know consequences of that and I think that's that needs to be a very big motivation as I said before and it's not something I really want to go down the details too much in that long conversation I had that was one of the primary things of like I don't know where I'm going to wake up into for all eternity when it's over with if I did that and that's a really significant consideration that that needs to factor in, because if you just give everybody a pass and be like, "Well, it's just so bad that God's not going to hold that against you," who are we to say that? I mean, where what scriptural right. backing do yeah. we have for that?
2: It's what I would say on that note is like, and this is not to you know water it down, but like you're not increasing your odds of of ending up in heaven. Just to just to put it put it kind of lightly, like right, not you're not increasing your odds in that way, Joe.
1: Yeah, no, I would say definitely it's a sin, it's murder, Um, but I would. I, I agree, very much agree. There are certainly circumstances where the person is clearly not in their right mind. There are those that are, you know, it's the same as like somebody who's autistic, you know, who who ends up harming themselves in some way. They didn't know any better. There are those that I think probably fall into that. And then there, there are those that very much know. Um, I was thinking, Jack, as you were talking, some of the celebrities, some of the some of the church celebrities that have been caught in scandals you know and uh the kind of the fall from grace and that can lead toward things like this it's like well that first off goes back to our selfish discussion they're just trying to get away from the consequences but second off we never know what's kind of surrounding a person's life to your point but is it a instant ticket to hell only god can say uh but it is a significant consideration as you both said that i think needs to be taken into consideration like we just don't know we don't know it, I don't, I like I to don't think believe that there are individual circumstances and I think each one is different, but
2: why test those odds? I agree. I agree with that. I would just say, I, the way that I phrased it of like guaranteed punch your ticket to hell. I, I don't believe that. I, I do think that, you know, that that mindset is driven by the false view of, again, as Jack said, checkpoint salvation, and you got to make sure. And did you ask for forgiveness? Well, then I guess you're not forgiven at the moment or I guess you're not saved. I guess the blood of, you know, blood of Christ isn't covering you. Again, I think those who believe that about suicide are that that's their view of salvation and their view of forgiveness and grace, which I think is an incorrect one. Um, but to fully echo exactly what you know, you guys are saying, I fully agree. Uh, it's not odds I would want to play with, uh, because we we know it's it's not going to, like I said, increase the odds that you're going to be in heaven. And so those are again tough questions, but I think questions that the people need to ask. Guys, we got a few minutes left. And Joe, you put this list together, so I'm actually gonna I'm gonna start with you here. How do we help? You know, what, what? Let's say we know somebody who is struggling with these things, or maybe we suspect um, that somebody is struggling with these things. What do we need to? Again, let's let's get practical. Let's get specific. With how can we help? What 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 are some thoughts you have?
1: Yeah, first and foremost, you need to listen to them. You need to be a friend. You know, a light in the darkness for them. And be a true friend who's not so busy judging them and telling them, well, you just, again, you you lack faith or you're wrong or you're in sin or whatever else. Listen to them. People are going through all sorts of stuff. You have no idea what they're going through. This is something I learned consistently in therapy. It's like, man, you just don't know. They present a great facade. They come into therapy. It's like, I had no idea. Excuse me, that your life is, you know, that you're struggling so much. You just don't know. So first things first, excuse me, listen to them. And the second thing I would say is very much adjacent to this of like, let them feel. We're not comfortable in our own emotions. And so the temptation is just push them through, push them through. I don't want to sit in sadness. I don't want to sit in hurt. I don't want to sit in grief. I don't want to sit in anger or whatever it is. We don't like that on our, you know, by ourselves because there's just this discomfort that comes with it. You need to let them feel what they're feeling. If they're angry at some things, let them be angry at some things. Let them come to the end of it. There is be angry and do not sin. Anger is not a sin. Um, If they're grieving, if they're hurting, if they're sad, whatever it is, let them feel that. Let them understand, man, it's okay to hurt. It's okay to be depressed. You're not in sin for being depressed, but you know, once you accept them kind of where they are, now we can help them out. If you're immediately trying to fix it, Fox, you don't understand me. You don't understand the problem. Okay. Help me understand. Tell me what's going on. I'll listen to you. I'm going to be there. Active listening, right? We have to be engaged with them. Then we need to let them feel. Once we let them feel, then we can kind of get into, okay, there's hope found in Christ. One of the biggest things that doesn't get talked about a ton, but we have to have a strong understanding of the importance of life. We talked about this, but like this goes along with, we didn't even hit on this point, but abortion as abortion got incredibly, you know, got way, way worse with Roe v. Wade and everything else, and, and hitting record numbers and such, which is just horrible. In those mid, excuse mid two thousands and such, there's what what is life worth? We did talk, talk a little bit about it, but like we have to have a strong understanding life has been devalued. Life matters, exactly. Yeah. Life has value. Life matters. Your life matters from an individual perspective, not life as a whole, right? Your life. It's the same thing. Like, well, Jesus loves us all, yes, but He loves you too. From a relational, from an individual perspective, he loves you too. They need to know that. They need to understand the hope that's found in Christ on an individual level. We can't just stick with the platitudes of Jesus loves everyone. Like, okay, that's great. But what does that mean to me? I know I fall into everyone, but we need to have a very real conversation with them about what their life is all about. Kind of the existential. Be a, you know, be be careful, be cognizant of the fact that going right into fix-it-fox mode may not be what they need. Well, we're going to get you on a, you know, we're going to set some goals for you. We're going to get you on this 30 day plan to get you out of this. We're going to do this, do that. Listen to them first before you start making suggestions. That would be my thing. How about you guys?
0: I would say with all those, there's kind of the assumption that somebody's talking. I think that's the biggest problem is it's not the outlet. And man, you see the posts on Facebook of, you know what? I can, uh, time of day and night, you know, I'll put a coffee pot on. I'm here for you. Nobody ever takes anybody up on that offer. Right. That, that, that is so useless. That is so, almost virtue signaling, but like nobody's going to go, oh, well, Jimmy said on Facebook, I can call him. It's two in the morning. I better not, you know, like go through with this this plan. That's not how it works. It, it is the person who is a constant and I, I've got to do a better job of this myself, but man, it, it's not hard to send a text. It's not hard to just keep a, keep a hand on somebody, you know, even from a distance so that you, because if they do need to talk and they are open to talk, they're going to go to the person that has been there for them to talk to, or that, that somebody they know is cares about them. And that doesn't happen with somebody they, that's never talked to mm-hmm. them. And so just be there for people. And, and that's a really hard thing to do, but it's also not that hard on, on the small things.
2: That's, again, that, that's along the lines of what I was going to talk about, of, of what we brought up earlier, be relational you know, establish relationships with people, especially those you deeply care about your congregation, whatever. It can be so easy to get in the routine of, Hey, we'll see you Sunday morning. We'll, we'll see you maybe Wednesday night. We'll catch up about the week, the weather and sports. And then, you know, we'll just, we'll, we'll see you again next Sunday and, and it, it st- stays so very shallow. Go the extra mile is what I would say and and do everything you can to establish close, Um, you know, you know, unified, I guess you might say, relationships in your congregation with people because you keep everything shallow, that is where people feel like there is nowhere to turn, that there is loneliness that that is going to, you know, overtake them. The other thing that I was going to bring up, and this is something that is a little bit more, I guess, esoteric, but living a life full of joy is infectious. And I think there's a lot of us as Christian, there's a lot of people that, you know, are members of the church that maybe they don't have suicidal thoughts, they're not depressed or whatever, but they also don't live lives that radiate with joy. And I, I tend to think that that is something that, man, if if everybody who, again, did not have the the suicidal thoughts or whatever was because of Christ, I mean, that's something practical about having your hope found in Christ is that you, you, you should live a life that is full of joy. No matter how difficult your job is, no matter how stressful the political unrest is, no matter how, you know, whatever the issue is, we, we should live a joy filled life again, especially for those of us who don't struggle with these things. And so let that, let that be infectious, I guess would be my advice to those who are not struggling with this, but are looking for ways to help, you know, don't be the, the, the sour face on Sunday morning. Don't be the, you know, man, my life is just, you know, life is just tough. she got to get through the week. No, have a joy that, that, that is infectious. Have a joy that radiates outward because even though that's not necessarily a direct way to help somebody, I think it can be an indirect way of them seeing, you know, the joy that is found in Christ, the joy that is found, not from stuff, not from materialism, not from, you know, how, how, how great we are at whatever, but because we, we have eternal life. We talked about it in our deep end segment last uh, week. We have eternal life because we know God that in and of itself is a reason to have joy that is radiating out from us and to be infectious. And again, there's more direct ways to help people suicide hotline. We've got on here, um, you know, listen to and to all the things you talked about, but I wanted to bring up that as kind of, again, maybe a more indirect way to help people is let your life, if you don't struggle with this, have joy radiate throughout your your life, your persona, your family. And, and the prayer is that that will be infectious.
1: I, I That's such a good way to wrap up, but I hate to say it, I'm going to go back real fast because right you ahead. said You're that. <laughs> you may have somebody who very much is this and you go, man, what do I do? Yes, the suicide hotline. You need to stay with them. If, if at all possible, stay with them. If they are showing, if there are signs of you know, they're talking about the hopelessness of life. They're talking about man. they're really thinking about it. One of the things we do in therapy is a one to 10 approach. Okay. Where are you on the scale? 10 is like, I have a plan. I have means I'm going to do it. Um, If they really start to like, we're hitting a six a seven, they kind of have an understanding of what they, how they plan to do it. Maybe they're in the middle of getting the means they're looking to find a gun, whatever it is. You need to immediately get them to a hospital, suicide hotline, things like that. So from that perspective, again, this isn't all the advice in the world. Like, please don't just take this as the advice. Research on this, understand. But that's what I would say immediately. And going back to listening to them, pick up on those things. I'm lonely. I'm depressed. I'm hurting. You know, uh, you notice that maybe they're using alcohol or maybe they're using, you know, some other things. They're, they're starting to abuse some of their pain meds, whatever it may be. Maybe they just had grief. They lost a loved one. They're in legal, legal troubles. You know, they're facing bullying. Pay attention to people's lives. Part of listening is just understanding you may miss it in one little thing they say, which is like, man, I just sometimes feel like there's not even a reason to live. It's like, yeah, sometimes I feel that way too. And you go, no, no, listen to them, understand maybe something else is there, ask questions, be curious about people, take care of them. But ultimately, yes, we want to leave on a, on a note of hope. There is hope found in Christ. It's not just some platitude we say, he is the reason for living. He's the reason for everything. There is no purpose to live apart from Christ. In my opinion, like he's, he's everything he underlines what we're supposed to do on planet earth, which is to get close to God. And he's the conduit by which we can do that. So help people realize that and let them know that there is hope to be found in Christ. There's purpose and value to be found there.
0: All right. Great way to wrap, uh, reach out, leave a comment. Um, As always, I will look forward to the deep end on Friday, and we will talk to you guys then.